In 2018, Botham Jean, a 26-year-old accountant, had come home from work and was relaxing on his couch, watching TV and eating ice cream, when Amber Geiger entered his apartment and fatally shot him. Her reason? She thought it was her apartment. She entered the wrong apartment and thought he was the intruder. Botham's brother, Brant, was, as you can imagine, torn up and, and quite bitter over the incident. He later said that he often talked with his friends about killing her, and his mom said he would transition from punching walls to being totally closed off to his feelings. Well, in her trial, Amber confessed her, her guilt and how bad she felt. She apologized. And Brant said that's all he needed to hear. He, he broke down, and, and with the judge's permission, he walked over to her on the stand and told her he forgave her. And he gave her a hug that lasted almost a full minute. And he said something changed. He said, if I can forgive her for that, I can forgive anybody for anything. Now, here's the thing. That's the kind of story that touches us, that moves us. But I want you to think about what if that was you? How would you respond? We've been talking about habits that we need to incorporate into our life. Habits that invite God's blessing into our life. And, and habits that, small things that we put into our life that will literally change the trajectory of our life. And the habits we've looked at so far have for the most part been fun ones. Taking a Sabbath, taking a day to rest, to, to eat good food, to take a nap, to do things you enjoy. Last week we talked about a habit of celebration. And again, having friends over, eating good food, sharing stories, laughing. Uh, these, are, these are good habits. They're fun habits. But today's habit is hard. Incorporating a habit of forgiveness into our life. And forgiveness is hard because someone hurt you. <laughs> and if it wasn't hard, if, if they didn't hurt you, I mean, you wouldn't need to forgive. But you might say, look, I've been hurt more deeply than you could even understand, than you could relate to. And the truth is that that may be absolutely correct. Um, I may not understand your pain, but we're going to share some words of Jesus. And Jesus understands your pain. As he was hanging there on the cross, looking down at people who had falsely arrested him, who had beaten him, who had whipped him, and who had nailed him to a tree. As he looked down at his accusers, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Kathy and I have been in ministry for 20 years now, which means, well, we've been hurt by people who call themselves Christians. We've been hurt by the church. And when people hurt you, I mean, it hurts. It's, it's, it's rough. And the last thing you feel like doing when someone hurts you is forgive them. Forgiveness doesn't come naturally. And if I could just be honest, it's, it's hard for me to forgive people that have hurt me. It's far easier to say bad things about people, to make them the brunt of a joke, or to just cut them out of your life altogether. But I want to share uh, the words of Jesus when one of his disciples, Peter, came to him and asked him, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone when they sin against me? 
like seven times? That seems pretty generous. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 77 times. And then Jesus went and told a story. He says, you know, here's what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. It's like a, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlements, a debtor was brought to him owing, uh, brought owing 10,000 talents. Now, we don't deal in talents today, but in today's money, this would be worth a couple of billion dollars. And this is a, this is enormous debt. And the man was unable to pay the debt. So the master ordered that this man be sold to pay his debt along with his wife and his children and everything he owed. And this was well within this man's rights of the time to do. And the servant fell on his knees before him and, and begged him and said, have patience with me. I will pay back everything. And his master had compassion on him and rather requiring that he repay back the debt, he forgave him and released him. But that servant went out and found someone else who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, this is not a couple billion dollars, but a hundred denarii would be about four or five thousand dollars in today's money. So nothing compared to what he had been forgiven. And this this other man begged, please, I, I'll, I'll repay it. And then the servant who had been forgiven choked this other guy, choked him out and um, said, look, pay back what you owe me. And he refused to give this man more time. He refused to forgive his debt. Instead, he had him thrown into prison until he could repay his debt. And when the master heard what had happened, he brought him to him and he says, Look, you wicked servant, I forgave all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, he turned him over the jailers to be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. And Jesus said, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It doesn't sound like Jesus is actually making it optional here for us to forgive. Even in the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. And so Jesus makes it clear that our being forgiven by God depends on us forgiving people around us. Because our sin has wronged God. It cost Jesus his life. The penalty for sin is death, and Jesus paid that for us. A debt we cannot repay. A debt that is bigger than, than our ability to, to make right. And in comparison, the ways that people wrong us are far less. But we find it hard to forgive. So I want to talk a little bit about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Since this is what Jesus asks of us more than it's what he requires of us what is forgiveness really it, the first thing to understand is that forgiveness is forgiving is not forgetting you can't really make yourself forget anything the harder you try to forget something the more your brain develops neural pathways to that memory and so if you've ever thought well how can i forgive when this memory keeps coming up well yeah, that's why we continue to forgive. That's why Jesus said you have to forgive 77 times. And he's not suggesting we keep track of how many times we've forgiven. The point is that we need to continually forgive because we're going to continually be reminded of the pain we experienced when we were hurt. Forgiving is not forgetting. The second thing is that forgiving doesn't mean subjecting yourself to abuse. 
If you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you remain in an abusive situation or a situation where you can be harmed again by that person. There's there's times when you need to forgive someone, but you also need to get away from them. You need to place yourself in a, a, a place of safety. You need to make sure that they're dealt with. Matthew 18, Jesus taught us how to resolve conflict, how to deal with things. Uh, I just want to read it here, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won your brother over. If they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We are commanded to forgive. We're, com- we're also commanded to hold each other accountable. Now, in context, this means fellow Christians, fellow people in the church. But forgiveness doesn't mean making yourself or anyone else a doormat. Because hurt people hurt people. Abusers will continue to abuse. And they need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with according to their character. And so forgiving someone might mean someone that has never asked for forgiveness, has never begged for forgiveness, has never tried to make things right, and maybe never will. But forgiveness is giving up the right to punish them and placing that in God's hands. So the third thing to understand is that forgiveness is not the same as justice. You might need to forgive someone even though you never see justice, even though you never see things made right. On the flip side, there may have already been justice and you might not be able to forgive. I think of my wife Kathy's grandmother who up to the very end of her life, she had people in her life who we talked to, like, you need to forgive these people. And she was unwilling to let go of bitterness from 10 years prior, 20, 30 years prior, some cases 40 years prior. There's one man who she had refused to forgive. He had been dead for at least 15 years. He said, look, you got to let it go. And she would not let go of the hurt, the bitterness in her heart. She said, how can I forgive? How can I let that go? Because don't you remember what he did? Of course we did. But she was keeping her own heart prisoner. She was keeping herself prisoner rather than giving this over to God. Rather than releasing the bitterness, she lived in that bitterness. And we saw it eat away at her. We saw it destroy her joy and her quality of life because there were so many people. She just kept rehearsing the pain kept bringing it back to mind, kept talking about it over and over. And it honestly became hard to be around her because she was not a joyful person. And she would take a otherwise cheerful conversation and turn it to her hurt and her pain, thereby multiplying the hurt and the pain that she experienced to the people around her, ruining her current relationships rather than forgiving. It, it was sad to watch. Forgiveness and justice, though, are not the same thing. Now, forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness simply prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. 
Forgiving someone is giving up the right to vengeance, disparaging thoughts, bitterness, and bad attitudes towards someone. Forgiveness means choosing to let go of the anger and resentment towards them. It's surrendering your thoughts of revenge. It's moving forward in your life and letting the past go. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Because who lets us down more than us? Who falls short of our expectations more than us? Who leads us into wrong things more than us? And so some of you listening, you've maybe been able to forgive other people, but it's yourself you're not letting off the hook. And I want us to just take a moment to see what God says about us. There's a powerful passage in Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 3. It says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. What that passage means is that we were far from God. We were God's enemies. We were living life the wrong way. All of us have walked in some sort of rebellion against God. We've, we've heard God's voice. We knew what God wanted us to do, or we knew something God didn't want us to do, and we did the opposite. We did the things that displeased God, but rather pleased us. We've all walked away from God's commands at some point in our life. We've all walked in that rebellion. But the scripture is saying, you were saved. You were rescued out of that. Not because of righteous things we've done. Not because of our own purity, our own goodness, but because of God's grace, because of God's mercy. And if God is willing to extend that grace and that mercy to us, we need to see ourselves through not how we feel about ourselves, through not how we feel about someone else, through not how we feel about a situation that has happened to us, but through the eyes of God's grace and mercy. If God is willing to forgive us, if God is willing to forgive others, if God was willing to forgive Saul, who became Paul, who referred to himself as the chief of sinners, a persecutor of Christians, one who was actively seeking after them to destroy them, and God forgave him then God can forgive you and God can forgive the people who have hurt you. And so rather than walking in how we feel about this, we need to walk in God's truth of forgiveness and mercy. It doesn't make it easy, but it is necessary. The fifth thing we need to understand about forgiveness is you know you've forgiven someone when you can wish or do good to them. Romans 12 Starting at verse 9, says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And it starts getting real here. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's so contrary to, maybe you grew up uh, with siblings that were difficult to get along with and they hit you, you've got to hit them back, right? They take something from you, you've got to take something from them. They, they slobber on you, you got to spit on them. You repay evil for evil. It's, it's just kind of what you do with siblings. But some, some people never grow out of that. And saying, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can you imagine actually being persecuted? I mean, in America, that's, you know, someone said something mean about us online. That's not persecution. Persecution is people trying to take your livelihood your life, your joy, actively working against you simply because of your faith. He says, bless your persecutors. Bless and do not curse. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. Because if, if you take care, if you do good to someone who do, does good, excuse me, who does evil to you, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. Maybe you've known the feeling. Maybe you've said something bad about someone, done something out of spite. And whether they know or not, they... They have done something nice to you. They did a favor. They gave you something. You received a gift. or and, Oh, my word. That's the worst feeling in the world. It's like, I wish I could go back and undo everything. And Scripture is saying, look, why not just give people that feeling by doing good? And in that way, overcome evil with good. So I want to close with a story of a woman named Mary Johnson. And she was at work when she received a phone call. We need you to come identify a body in the morgue. And the body was her son, actually her only son, who had been murdered by a 16-year-old boy named O'Shea Israel. And they were at a party in Minneapolis, and Israel had a gun, and for whatever reason, he, he shot her son, shot him in the head. And she said this, she said, Here I was, a Christian woman full of hatred, I was pleased he was going to be tried as an adult for first-degree murder. So when the judge suddenly changed the charge to second-degree murder, I was mad. She saw O'Shea Israel as nothing less than an animal. And later she forgave him, but her anger was still very deep. And for the next two years, she wanted to be alone. She resented everybody around her. Nobody could cheer her up. Then one day she came across a poem about two mothers. And this poem was about the mom of a murdered child and the mom of a murderer. And this poem moved her in a way that nothing else had been able to move her at to that point. And she realized, she just started thinking about creating an organization to support mothers whose kids were murdered 
and those whose children are murderers. But she knew she could never help other mothers if she didn't forgive Oshea Israel, the man who murdered her son. And so what she did is she truly forgave him from her heart. And then she contacted him while he was in prison. She went beyond that. She organized a welcome home party for him, getting out of prison. And they talked for hours. And he shared how sorry he was, how remorseful he was. She saw that he was a changed man. And she invited him to come live in her neighborhood. She, he moved into the same apartment building. The two of them now share a front porch. And they hang out together. And she refers to O'Shea Israel as her spiritual son. That's the power of forgiveness. That's what incorporating a habit of forgiveness into your life can do. It changes you. And it changes the people around you. So I would challenge you with this. Who is it you need to forgive? I don't even think I need to ask the question. I'm guessing that there's been a name or a face on your mind the whole time I've been talking. And look, I didn't put that name and face on your mind. I would propose to you that God is laying that person on your heart. And God is inviting you into deeper joy, deeper peace in your life by forgiving. You might say, you know, I already forgave them. Yeah. You need to do it again. And maybe that person's yourself. It's time to let it go. It's time to let the mistakes of the past go. It's time to lay it down. It's time to forgive. God's wel welcoming us into this. He's inviting us into deeper walk of grace with him by extending grace to others. So my challenge is don't hold back. Let it go. Forgive and see what God does through that. I want to thank you for tuning in, for joining us today. And I want to invite you to share with us your story of forgiveness. Someone that you've had to forgive. As always, we value your feedback. Things you agree with us on. Things that you maybe disagree with us that we've said. That's okay. And as always, if you have prayer for a need for prayer, we'd be honored to pray with you. So if you just message us things you'd like prayer for, as well as anything you received out of what we shared, uh, we would just love to have that conversation with you. Hey, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you again real soon.